Welcome to episode 236 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week my guest is Shannon Morris. In this week's interview, we talked about how important it is to take time to reflect, especially when it comes to leaving the military. Shannon served in the Navy and attended the Naval Academy. She didn't quite know what she was signing up for when she began her career in the Navy and initially wanted to quit at the Naval Academy. But through both mentorship of a senior cadet a little bit of fear tactics, she decided to continue at the Naval Academy. In this interview, we talked about her time in the Navy, how time has given her the ability to reflect both on her time at the Academy and the military, and what she's doing today. So I'm excited to get started with this week's episode, and you can always listen to each week's podcast episode on Wreaths Across America Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern on Fridays and 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturdays, and you can check that out on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, or Odyssey. So with that out of the way, let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome to Women of the Military Podcast. I'm excited to do this episode with video. It's something I'm not comfortable with, but we're going to do it anyways. (laughs) So if you see me moving around a lot, that's why. I'm really excited to have Shannon here to talk about her story and to share a little bit about her time in the military. So welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. So let's start with why did you decide to join the Navy? So my Navy journey actually started because my parents took me on an educational spring break trip to visit the Naval Academy. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Illinois and just was not having the suburb life at all. So when we got the flyer in the mail, went on college visits, they took me out on a road trip and I was like, sold. You mean I can get my education fully paid for? I have a job afterwards and I can leave the suburban bubble? Great. I did not think through it as much as I thought I should have. And the Naval Academy was not just, you know, unicorns and rainbows and all of that and playing boot camp. So I had the shock of my lifetime when I went there, but then said, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to become an Intel officer. So this is, this is the path that I want to go because I wanted to just jump in feet first instead of, you know, doing ROTC or trying to go in the military later. But basically free education, got into the school and was like, Hey, this is, this is a good ticket out of the suburbs to just experience the world in a way that I don't know anybody else who has done before. I think a lot of times we as adults look back on like as kids, like the choices we made and we're like, I didn't put a lot of thought into it, but I'm, I'm learning that's like a normal thing, especially like pre-internet. Like I grew up, you know, internet was a thing sort of, but not real, not the way it is today. And so like, there weren't a lot of tools to do research and you kind of just were like, I don't know, we were like living in this world that I don't think people today can understand because there wasn't as much information. And so it was kind of like, a oh, I should just follow this path thing. And I was the same way. So I, I, I feel you. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny how the choices we make take us down very different paths than we have ever thought of in our entire lives. And how like one decision impact so much and at the time we're just like whoa like let's see where this goes yeah and then 10 years later you're somewhere completely like whoa what did i do yeah so you said that you were completely surprised when you showed up to the naval academy and you were like wait what did i just sign up for but you also were like i'm i'm going for it i'm not gonna quit i'm gonna stick with it so can you talk about like the first few weeks and what that experience was like diving into 
being at the Naval Academy? Yeah, so I showed up on I-Day, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I had gone through like a summer camp, uh, summer seminar the summer before. It was a week. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I thought it was going to be basically a repeat of that. But I already had my haircut, so I didn't have to go through that. I got all of my gear ready, and then we had one last time to just say bye to our parents. And that's when I just broke down crying. I think I told my mom and dad that I want to quit. I want to quit. This isn't what I thought I signed up for. I was being yelled at every turn of the way and everything just felt like so scary. And I had never experienced anything like that before. And I don't know why, but I let the fear overtake me the entire time. Fast forward a few weeks, I, I did try to quit again during that plebe summer period. But I was fortunate enough to have a senior who was kind of over just in charge of the, the area that I was in when I was out processing. And he sat me down multiple times and just kind of talked to me, counseled me, and more or less convinced me to stay. I just remember it was just a lot of mentorship sessions, diving really deep into why are you here Oh, I think you should stay here. Why should you stay here? Why did you choose to come here in the first place? And, and that's where everything kind of changed for me. So when I decided to not continue down the path of trying to quit, but deciding to stay, that, that was it. That was my decision of, okay, I'm going to make it through the next four years and I'm going to make it through commissioning. And do you think without his support and mentorship, if he had not sat you down, you would have just been like, I'm done and out? I think so. So during that kind of week where I was just in the out processing area, I guess you can call it, there was a 06 Marine that had even called me into his office. And I, I'm pretty sure it was a scare tactic at this point, but he told me that if I had quit, that all I would be doing on the outside was flipping burgers. And that pissed me off to the point where I was like, no, I mean, I did well in school before that. Why am I going to quit here? And then all of a sudden go work at McDonald's and flip burgers. He even called me into his office another time and talked to my dad on the phone. And both of them were, I don't, I don't know what they said on the phone to each other, but it was very much of dad on the phone with me saying, you don't have a home to come home to. And then this 06 Marine saying, you're not going to make it on the outside. So I don't know if it was just that, if I would have stayed or if I would have left, but I know the combination of the the positive, the negative, the good cop, bad cop was really what just solidified the decision to stay for me. Yeah. Wow. That's like so much to deal with as like an 18 year old in a stressful situation. And I mean, yeah, that's just crazy to think about. That's yeah, especially coming from the suburbs, like you, you live in the bubble when you're in the suburbs. And then all of a sudden you go out and you're exposed to all of these different people and these different stressors. You have no idea what's real, what's not. And a lot of it's just trying to figure it out on your own at the age of 17 or 18. Yeah, so crazy. So you made the decision to stay and you said you kind of like, I'm, I'm not quitting. There's no like wavering. Once you made that decision, you were all in. So what yeah. was the rest of that experience like going through the Naval Academy? It was still terrible for a few years. So I was one of the slowest people that I knew. I was one of the weakest people that I knew. So even though I was a, an athlete, I was a figure skater growing up. I couldn't do push-ups to save my life. I couldn't do sit-ups. And I was the slowest runner you have ever met. So all of that combined made getting through very hard because I had a lot of physical challenges in the beginning and we also had to pick a sport. Well, 
I didn't play a sport. I was a figure skater and then I was a dancer. So there wasn't really anything that I can find that was an escape. Academics were difficult. The social life was difficult. And also just trying to get through physically was hard. It wasn't until I think my junior year where I had the opportunity to start the dance team at the academy that everything really turned around and I found my niche. I found my group of people. I found my sisters and they're the ones that I just attribute so much of the effort to actually getting me through. Yeah, that makes sense that you were like struggling to like fit in and to find your groove and you were a dancer, figure skater, and they're like, do a sport. And you're like, that yeah. just makes me more right. uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really, I mean, I know that the academies, all the military academies are really tough. I'm reading a book right now that's fictionally based on it. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm so glad I didn't go that route because I know it's like so much work. And I've heard it's like, there's so many great things that come out of it, but it's like something people never want to do again because it, it's so hard. Yeah, you you don't realize the good until a lot later in life. I honestly probably didn't start seeing any of that until this past year. So it took a long time to even admit that I went to school there because in the fleet, a lot of times you don't want to be associated with the academies because there's a stigma that comes with it that's not necessarily good. And when you're an officer, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be associated with that type of person. I, I actually want to get along with all of the people and, you know, build my own leadership skills. So it's a journey. And now I'm still learning to be at peace with the fact that this was a decision I made so long ago and has led me to where I am today. Yeah. And we need that time and space to process. So yeah. I like that you talked about that, that it's something that you're still processing today. And I think that traumatic I mean, it is, it's a traumatic experience and like having time and space to reflect from it is really important. So you graduated and I know that before you graduate, usually you find out your job and where you're going. So what was your career field and where did you end up going? Yeah. So remember, I wanted to be an Intel officer, but I also didn't do my research and they don't commission a lot of Intel officers out of the academy because they want everybody to go unrestricted line. I actually had some medical issues when I was at school where I would just pass out randomly. And for some reason, because the politics were the way they were and they wanted to commission me unrestricted line, the flight surgeon overlooked all of the medical things that I was going through and said, well, you're going to be on a ship. Great. That's the last thing that I wanted to do. So I commissioned as a surface warfare officer because it was between that and the Marine Corps. And I said, no way in hell do I want to go through TBS again and be the slowest person and the weakest person all over again. So I decided, all right, I'm going to go and be a surface warfare officer on a ship and try to lat transfer to Intel later. So I drove warships for two years straight. I deployed twice on my first warship almost immediately after I got on board. And then I went to the LCS route, which is the littoral combat ship, where I started to commission a ship, but then got in a really bad car accident, which actually led me to getting out of the military. So let's not go that far forward. <laughs> let's let's stop and talk a little bit about your first deployment, especially because you said like you had just gotten there and you, yeah. you're like, we're deploying. So walk me through that. Like you arrived and then they found you found out you're deploying and like how quickly Cause I know sometimes it's like days, like, yeah, really it wasn't, you. it wasn't that fast. So I went through my training. I commissioned at the end of May and I got to my ship in June, July timeframe. And we home port shifted from Norfolk down to Florida 
that fall and then deployed by, I think, around Thanksgiving time. So it was still a pretty short turnaround. And all of a sudden, bye mom, bye dad, I'm going to be gone for eight, nine, 10 months. I don't know. But it was really being thrown into the deep end. And part of what I wanted at that point, too, was go in just feet first once again and not really think about it so I can get the full experience. Yeah. And were you still in the process of getting qualified? Because I know that like when you get to ship, there's like all these things that you have to do so that you can be like fully qualified. So like where in the process or like how long did that take? Because I know there's a lot of steps in doing that. Yeah, it took until a couple months after I got back from deployment to be fully fully qualified as an officer of the deck. So that's where basically you are in charge of the ship itself. Everybody else is sleeping and you're the one telling people what to do, where to go. Uh, At the same time, I was learning my day job, which was the operations intelligence officer, where I had to learn how to operate different radars, how to fix things that were broken, and also how to lead an entire division of men. It was very much just, hey, you're going to do this and you're going to figure it out and we're not going to give you a manual, but all right, go figure it out. That sounds like crazy. So much responsibility, so many like dynamics and like, it also sounds like you were very, very, very busy the whole deployment, like very busy. Yeah, I don't think we slept much. So if I wasn't doing my day job, which was all the paperwork leadership piece, then it was driving a warship. And I think our watches were about eight hours a day. So even if you're qualifying, you're still standing the entire watch and then your sleep schedule rotates backwards. So you're doing that throughout the whole deployment. I also became the briefs officer. So at the end of my tour, I was giving three briefs in a row in a day. So I would go from doing my job or doing my main job as a division officer to driving the warship to putting together the brief to actually giving the brief, which is how I got really good at public speaking, kind of just on a dime. Wow. So much. And such. And how long was the total deployment? I think about 10 months. And where did you guys go? We went to the Middle East. So we went through Europe to the Middle East and back. And then within two months, we turned right back around and went to Europe for surge during the winter time. Man, just it's just so crazy to hear about like the Navy. They're just like out on the ship doing all I every time I talk and hear about deployments, I'm just like, it just must be so crazy. Like all the different things going on. And you're like on a moving, you know, like your home, your work, everything in the middle of the ocean. (laughs) It's just crazy. Especially when things don't work. We had one of those days too, where everything just broke down. There was no power to the ship and you're just kind of floating in the middle of the Middle East and it's a hundred some odd degrees out. And you're just like, all right, I guess we'll figure this one out too and hope that the engineers know how to fix it. Yeah, that's crazy. So crazy. Yeah. And you said you went on two deployments. So that was your first one. And then you went pretty quickly on another one? Yeah. So our ship was basically recalled back out and then we had to go on a shorter deployment. So I think this was like three or four months uh, to Northern Europe. And was that one a lot of working? Lots of, I mean, you were, you were qualified. So you, yeah, that makes it a little bit easier, but still lots of hours. Lots. I mean, sounds like you're just busy, busy, busy. 
Yeah, at that point, then all of the responsibility was on me because everybody who was qualified beforehand had already rotated off. So then I'm actually in charge of all three, four, five hundred sailors and Marines on the ship and then having to do all of the briefs. But at least I was in a little bit more of a groove. At the same time, it was just nonstop. That sounds crazy. I mean, because when I was deployed, we were working a lot, but like I have one job that I had yeah. to do and there was just a ton of work. And then in my free time, I just, you know, worked out, slept and there wasn't really anything else to do. Like, even though we worked a lot of hours, there was only one job and right. you can only work so many hours in a day when you have only one focus. But when you have lots of different focuses, I could just, I can't even imagine how crazy. Yeah. And then you mentioned that you were in a car accident, which led mm -hmm. to you getting out of the military. So can you talk a little bit about whatever parts of that you want to talk about? Yeah. So I was actually undergoing training, driving up and down the East Coast for the littoral combat ships, which is the newest ship in the Navy, which has a very, very long training pipeline. Well, one weekend when I was up in Rhode Island, I decided to go just explore around and go see what's going on in Massachusetts. Turned left off of a, a highway exit to go get gas and this guy comes up behind me and just rams the car well, that was my first car accident ever i was completely alone and i didn't know what to do so called my dad called the cops my car was completely totaled so i couldn't drive it at all and had to find my way back to the schoolhouse but i just remember being so terrified that i was going to extend my training that i didn't really tell my command that I was in the car accident and didn't even go seek help from a hospital until two weeks later when I finished my training and got back home. So it was also just trying to balance all of the things. But it later on down the line is when I realized, okay, you get in an accident of any sort, first thing you need to do is go to the emergency room and get everything checked out to make sure you're okay. Because even if you don't necessarily feel anything in the moment, things can pop up weeks later that will just lead to a very, very long recovery. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think that's like a military like mindset. Like, I don't want to be the yeah. link link. I don't. And I mean, I'm not very good at taking care of myself. So you're like, oh, right. I feel fine. Why do I need to go to the doctor? And then it's like, you were in a major car accident. Like you need to go to the doctor. So that makes right. a lot of sense. Yeah, I found out two weeks later. So I went back to my command and we were playing kickball. I went to go kick the ball and all of a sudden my back seized up. So even though all of the, the post-accident within the first two weeks, I felt fine. That was the, oh my gosh, something is wrong moment. I need to go to the hospital. But then the ER actually wouldn't take me because I had waited so long. So then it was an entire process trying to deal with Navy Medical after that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense because you're like, but I need <laughs> medical attention. But I get, I can right. see like the politics and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So did that eventually lead to a med board where you left the military? Yep. So that that kick started the med board where they they dug a lot of other things up before because I said I was going through some things when I was at the academy and the culmination of all of that getting everything tested going to pain management and dealing with the Navy medical system. I was on hold for about a year. So they actually uh, reassigned me as the public affairs officer for the entire squadron, which is a pretty major job in itself. That was before 
Navy ships had Facebook pages. So it was my job to set all of that up, do all of the public speaking coordination for a lot of the 05s and 06s at the command, coordinate different events, coordinate with the press while spending half of my time getting shots in my back. So it was uh, another fairly stressful and busy experience, just not actually on the ocean. Yeah, I mean, PA is a huge job, and to be dealing with a medical issue and trying to run with no training. No training. None whatsoever. That's the best part about the Navy, is they say, hey, here's your job. Go figure it out. All right, what's Facebook? What are analytics? How do I take a picture? Huh? Well, we'll figure it out. That's crazy, because, like, so much has changed since then, and so, like, like, I don't... I understand because I went through that, but like someone right. was not, they're like, how do you, what do you mean? What's Facebook? <laughs> right. It's like, but if you didn't grow up with that, then it's like, what is this thing? Social media like changed everything. And to think that we didn't have it for over half my life is just crazy. You were going through like medical issues. You were working mm-hmm. a lot. And then eventually the med board I've heard from different people, like, some people, it's, like, really quick. They, like, have the results, and then you have to get out, like, within a couple weeks, and based on, like, how much leave you have, or sometimes it's a little longer. So what was the situation when the final results came out? Yeah, so the entire process, I think, for me took about eight months, but for the majority of that time, I was just in limbo. All of the appointments up front happen happen fairly quickly. So you do all of your VA appointments, you get your paperwork done, and then you're just sitting. So your command's asking you every week, every couple of days, hey, have you heard anything? And it, it's a no until all of a sudden it's a yes. And then you have 30 days before you're getting out of the military. So that was uh, a huge shock to the system because it was just kind of living an in-between life where you couldn't really make decisions about what's going on next and you didn't know whether or not they were going to find you fit or unfit. So it was very difficult to be prepared for what's next at that point. Yeah, I feel like that is a broken system where it's like you're in limbo. And like, I understand like they want to get you out because you're unfit to be in the military, but you are doing a job that you could do in the military and, you know, transition. It's such a big deal and to not have that much time i i don't really understand the whole process of why they do the things the way they do i don't either it's it's just insane because looking back now see that i came from a very privileged background where i had the education in place i had a lot of the leadership skills and i was a program manager so it was a lot easier to translate some of my skills but if you were somebody who say like you had to specialize in something and then you couldn't physically do it anymore and you had 30 days to completely reinvent yourself without any guidance and the command's trying to keep you in the entire time how the heck are you supposed to manage your transition that entire process itself is just like you said, very broken. There is no real guidance or real streamlined way to help service members service members transition out of the military, especially yeah. going through a med board. I mean, especially like there's programs like SkillBridge, which you can't take advantage if you have 30 days. Because no. I mean, there's like right. there's all these programs and tools to help with transition, and then if you have 30 days, you don't have time, and not 30 days. Like, I'm going to plan and then 30 days, like, it's like a decision comes down and you have 30 days. And so it's kind of like, yeah, one of my coworkers 
she was on a med board and she was just like hanging out doing her job and then all of a sudden it was like oh 21 days from now you're out of the military and i was like how do you even live like that because that's not enough time to figure anything out and so yeah it it doesn't even feel real at that point because it's just like hey at this date, you're going to come back and you're going to sign these papers. Well, you sign your DD-214, you turn in your ID card, you drive off of base, and that's it. There is no pomp and circumstance. There are no balloons that go up in the air. It's just, okay, what's next? So what was next? You got out. What was that transition like? We already talked. It's like tumultuous and crazy. Yeah. But what was that experience like? So the entire time I was in, I wanted to be an intel officer, which... Somehow in my head, I said an intel officer and an intelligence analyst are the exact same thing. So I started applying to intelligence analyst jobs up in D.C. because, again, I figured if you move to the place that everything's at and you jump in with both feet, you're going to land in the right spot. So fortunate for me, I had my TSSEI, which really helped just with the job hunting process. I was interviewing for a lot of different contracting companies. I was interviewing for a couple of different GS positions, and I had the golden ticket of the clearance that they needed to get the job. So I had one lined up in DC before I got out. It was a little bit messy just trying to communicate with them that I don't really know when I'm available for a job until that 30 day mark. But I did have one lined up. So I packed up everything and drove up to DC and started working within a month. I didn't take any time off and really just jumped in again to being a cyber intelligence analyst with the FBI. Yeah, well, that's really smart that you got that lined up while you were in this limbo process and not waiting until so that's that's really smart advice if you're in like a med board situation start putting fillers out start working with recruiters so that when the time comes like if you don't have a job lined up you already have those connections made so that's really smart advice yeah there's there's two parts to that though so there's the It's very safe and secure to have a job lined up and to start it the day that you take your uniform off. Now, looking back on all of it, I honestly wish I would have taken like three months off just to figure out who I am and what is it that I wanted to do and do some of the like deep lifestyle thinking because I've been in a uniform since I was 18 at this point. I've had people tell me this is the path that you have to take. This is these are the only options you have. And then all of a sudden, as soon as you sign that piece of paper, the entire world is your oyster. So for me, it was jumping into the job that gave me the experience of this isn't what I want. I don't want to be behind a computer in a skiff for eight to 12 hours a day. This isn't making me happy. All of a sudden, I'm allowed to choose what makes me happy, but I don't know what that is anymore. If I were able to just impart advice on people who are in that process of getting out, find a way to take that time off and figure out who you are outside of uniform before just jumping into work if you have the flexibility to do that. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I got out after my son was born and I was I have the same thing I'm like I really wish I had like enjoyed the last few months of pregnancy of like not working and finding myself because then when I got out I was in this new role of being a mom and I didn't know who I was and I was like struggling with all these emotions of like you know having a baby and getting out of the military and like trying to figure that out and it took me a long time to process through that and I feel like that's really like you were like I just dove and jump in it's like oh you didn't even take a break and it's it's so important that 
you have that time because like we said at the beginning like with time you can look back and i don't think people realize like how much the military impacts who their sense of self is and then once it's gone who that person is and you can choose (laughs) and that's a big deal it, it doesn't seem like it, but my husband's in the process. He's actually going through a med board right now and he's trying to figure all of this out. And it's a roller coaster, I tell you. Like for the women, for the men, you might not want to talk about it. You might not want to admit it, but every day is just ups and downs and ups and downs. This is what I want to do. This is no longer what I want to do. Why would I even want to do this? And all of these questions just come bubbling up, but I don't feel like enough people actually talk about it openly to be able to just help each other through that or to recognize that this is going to come and it's okay. Yeah. I think transition is so hard and the military seems to want to have like a quick one week class, you know, and help you find a job. And it's like, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of things going on. And if we talk about it and we share our story, I felt a lot of shame when I left the military because I felt like everyone it's because I am a stay at home mom and I didn't get a real, a real job, but it's like, no, then I talked to other veterans who did get a job or went to school and they're like, no, it was hard for me too. And I was like, Oh, it's not, that there's something wrong with me it's just that it's a lot of emotions and a lot of change and it's just really hard to go through all that so you said you didn't like that job working behind a desk all the time and so I have to ask what are you doing today a lot has happened since that day I actually quit that job around 10 or 11 months so I didn't even make it to a year Uh, I hopped into consulting and then I was fortunate enough to find a job at Google, started off in sales, but ended leading veteran hiring programs. So that that was an entire journey just to get there. But then a few months ago, I was actually laid off just very, very suddenly opened my computer one day and you no longer have a job. So I am currently just in a situation where I am fortunate enough to have the time to take off to figure out who I am and what is it that I want to do because I did just hop from one industry to another and it was always all right, well, I've got a job. How do I climb the ladder within this organization that I am and then find the next one? So I'm honestly, I'm taking the time to figure out what it is that I want and also trying to build the life that I want based off of my values and then the values that I have with my husband. So what that looks like now is exploring entrepreneurship. All of a sudden in a few months, as soon as he gets his mid-board decision and we learn that he's getting out, we're going to have the 30 days again to do it together. But at this point, we've both been in uniform for so long, or we've both been with organizations for so long, we're getting the itch that we want to answer to ourselves. So we're trying to figure out exactly what it is that we need to do to build a life that looks like that, because it's possible. And we've seen other people do it. I love that you're taking your own advice, like in the interview, like actively listening to yourself, listening and taking that time and, and, you know, making the decisions that work for you and your family and figuring out what's next in the future. I think that's, I I just love that you're like, this is what I think you should do. And then you're like, I'm doing it. And that's crazy that, I mean, I've heard about the tech layoffs because mm-hmm. I've been, you know, connected with what's going on in, in right. the economy and the world, but I haven't met anyone. And it's just crazy that you're like, I opened my computer. Like you don't have a job. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah, figure it out. You don't have 30 days this time. Like, sure, you get a paycheck for a while, but then then what's next? And 
it's funny that you say I'm taking my own advice because I feel like I've been saying this for so long, but I have never taken my own advice until this particular moment. Yeah. And like you have, you say you have the paycheck from Google. So you have that time that you can, Mm -hmm. you know, like you have the financial ability to be able to think about it. And I think sometimes I've seen a lot of veterans who like have all this leave built up at the end, especially if they're retiring. And instead of, you know, taking that time and, you know, enjoying it and figuring out, they're like, hop into another job and get two paychecks. And it's like, you, you could also just take that time for you and enjoy it. And so I think that's, that's really good advice. And I think it's hard to follow that advice because I think sometimes you get like the itch, like I have to do something like, and it's like, I am doing something. I'm taking care of me, which is very important. But a lot of times as veterans and people in general, we forget that that is doing something. Sometimes we think, oh, we have to be doing. So that's really, I love that you're taking advice. That's so great. Yeah. And just like you mentioned, it's hard. Like I want to be productive. If I'm taking a day and going to yoga and going where the wind blows and taking a walk and I don't know, doing something with the dogs and baking in the kitchen, I feel like I've just been lazy all day and not doing anything. But in reality, it's all right. I'm taking the time to try to de-stress, which I have no idea how to actually do and just reset. But I think the most surprising thing to me is I thought that I was able, I thought I was going to be able to just get over it and figure out my next path within like a month or within like the two months that they gave us. Nah, I'm still figuring it out just day by day. And it, it does, it comes and goes. But at the same time, I'm trying not to put the pressure on myself because we do have the flexibility right now to say, hey, I'm going to hop into just another corporate job if what I was doing for the last five years wasn't really making me happy. That's really good. Well, is there anything from your time in the military or your transition that you want to talk about before I ask my last question? Yeah, I think one of the the things that I see the most is people not really thinking outside the box. And I know it's a very kind of woo-woo type thing where you don't have necessarily a tactical, okay, what are the steps? What's the SOP to thinking outside the box and acting outside the box? But when you take off that uniform, either as the service member or as the spouse, because you guys are kind of in it together, try to think creatively, like go do things that you've never done before. Because there is no longer a world on the outside where people are really judging you for what you like to do, for what interests you. All of those things are okay, but a lot of times fear is just holding us back. So, for example, I saw an Instagram ad for like an aerial silks class. And then I went to that class because I wanted to figure out how you can be in Cirque du Soleil and hang upside down from ropes. And then I took my husband to that class before he was injured and he was doing the same thing with me. You don't never see any men there, but all of a sudden after we took that class and we had this new experience together, it kind of gives you a a new perspective on, hey, why isn't this something that we've tried before? We just said yes to an Instagram ad because we thought it looked interesting and we, we didn't suppress ourselves by saying, Saying, oh, this isn't for men or, oh, I can't do this because I'm injured. It's how, how do you find that? Yes. And then trying to take that concept and 
apply it to your life. Just like if you're in the military and you're always complaining about, hey, my command made me do this. Hey, the military is saying this is the path that I want to go down. All right. When you're getting out, do you want to go work for a corporation who's basically going to tell you the same thing? Or is this a better opportunity to say, I'm going to empower myself to take control of my own future and I'm going to start my own business or I'm going to find a way to have seven streams of passive income or something like that. Those are the stories that I don't feel like we hear often enough or I don't see a lot of people just doing the things that are going to lead you to live the actual life that you want because your your life is still fairly long after you get out of the military whether you separate or you retire there's a lot more to life than just finding a job and how can you actively just think and act outside of the box during that transition to get you to the point that you want to be as a person. Yeah. And in the past couple months, I've interviewed people who, even while they were on active duty, were doing, like, I interviewed someone who was on Team USA's bobsled team, and then yeah. someone who was a cheerleader for the 49ers, while she, all this while they were on active duty. And I was like, when I was in the military, I didn't think about, like, anything else but like doing what I was supposed to do for the military right. and the fact that they're talking about like oh I'm pursuing my passion and I'm serving in the military and they found a way to make it work it doesn't even have to be during transition it can be when you're you know on active duty you can start your business you can start you know going to those classes and learning about those things because I think those things are so important and sometimes we get distracted and and focused like just on what the military is telling us to and then if you go into a job then you get focused on like that thing so that makes a lot of sense right and also kind of at the same time you bring up a good point of uh, a lot of the people who who do both who do a lot of different things like you can be a cheerleader and in the military you can be an influencer and in the military those of us on the other end who maybe have not figured out how to balance our passion with our job shouldn't look at that and criticize and say hey you can't wear two hats it's all right ask these people how did you do that like how did you figure out a way to shift your mindset to understand how you can do both of these things. Like granted, my passion might not look like somebody else's passion, but that doesn't mean I can't be, I don't know, like a pro competitive shooter on the side and be in the military. But it's people that we can learn from. And I think that you having a platform like this and sharing all of these stories is just tremendous in exposing people to the different options that they do have. Yeah. No, I love that last little piece of advice. So much good takeaways from this interview. So I always like to end the interview with what advice would you give to the next generation of women who are considering serving? So what would you say? I think for the next generation coming in is you don't have to completely sacrifice who you are to be in the military. You can absolutely do both. Keep your passions Keep pursuing what is interesting to you, regardless of what it is, and figure it out, figure out a way to make it happen because it's absolutely, absolutely possible to wear multiple hats. And many people do these days, and it might look different for everybody, but you never know unless you try. I love that advice. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing all your advice and insight. It's been really great to hear about your time, both in the Navy and where you're at today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. This was wonderful. Thanks so much for listening to this week's interview. I'm really 
thankful that you took the time to listen to this episode, and I wanted to tell you about two resources that may help you in your journey of military service. And so the first is my book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service. It's meant to help you answer all your questions about military life and give you a firm foundation for the start of your career. And if you're looking for mentorship or want to be a mentor, please check out the Women of the Military Mentorship Program. You can sign up to be a mentee or a mentor. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.